Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host, let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 1103 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. And welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always. Happy Canada Day to all of our listeners and racers and race fans west of the border. Yes, the uh, not that I've I had someone point this out to me once, but technically Canada is west of the border here in Western New York. Of course, you got to go west to get to the Peace Bridge or whichever uh, bridge you are deciding to cross. So happy Canada Day! As I just unplug my monitor here in the studio, so we'll get that fired back up. But uh, happy Canada Day, and I uh, hope you are having a good one. Hopefully, you're somewhere cool this morning. Obviously, with the uh, steamy summer weather we have here in West New York and Southern Ontario throughout this week. I was at an outdoor wedding last night, and it was uh, it was rough. Let, let's just say I mean, it was a great wedding, very nice. Congrats, Jessica and Dan. But uh, yeah, it was it was a little steamy. Luckily, we w- I w- went a little more casual than I normally would for a wedding, and uh, we made it through. But uh, hey, it's summer. I'm not really complaining. Yeah, it's, you get sticky, but you know what? It still beats what we had in the winter, obviously. So. Uh, that, that'll be it for weather here this morning. Uh, phone lines open here, 803-0551-888-550-2550. If you are uh, looking for hockey talk, stay tuned. That's coming up at the at 12 noon. Brayton and Joe, who are usually on before me on Sunday mornings, they're actually going to take over at 12 noon. When NHL free agency opens, they'll be on f- from 12 to at least 2 o'clock. Depending on what the Sabres do today, they may be on longer. If they only go until 2 o'clock, then uh, we will join the coverage of today's uh, NASCAR race from Chicagoland Speedway in progress, courtesy of the Motor Racing Network. But if the Sabres do something crazy like trade Ryan O'Reilly or do something else, I'm sure Brayton and Joe will be on a lot longer than 2 o'clock. But uh, stay tuned. Anything can happen, of course, on uh, July 1st in the NHL. Nothing has really happened yet today concerning the Sabres outside of more confirmations on the reports that they're going to sign goaltender Carter Hutton. Uh, Nothing really else has happened. Ryan O'Reilly is still a Sabre as of this moment. If anything breaks within the hour, Sabres-related, we will mention, of course, or you can just stay tuned to WGR550.com or our Twitter or Facebook pages to uh, keep up to date on the latest as well. But obviously, if something big happens while I'm on the air, we'll break in. If not, Brayton and Joe will have you covered this afternoon uh, starting at 12 noon. Coming up on today's edition of Fast Track, though, uh, lots going on. We had F1 in Austria this morning. That's in the books. We've got the Salem Six Hours of the Glen currently ongoing. That got started at about 9.45 this morning at Watkins Glen International. Probably a good thing they got started nice and early today. And uh, there are four hours and 40 minutes left to go in the Salem Six Hours. Dane Cameron is currently your overall leader there at the Glen uh, with uh, Scott, uh, excuse me, Steven Simpson and Ricky Taylor rounding out your top three currently uh, overall there at the Glen. But it looks like a just as hot and steamy there as it is here right now. But, of course, the uh, the facility looks phenomenal. 
And uh, I know uh, I have some friends out there camping this weekend. They've been having a great time. And that is definitely uh, that, that'd be I, I've yet to get to the Salem six hours race. I know, uh, fortunately, this weekend, uh, usually tough for me. Uh, including in a, a previous job, it was very busy to get out there this time of year. But still, and on top of that, and my local racing commitments or other stuff that usually falls on this weekend, it's been hard to get out there. But maybe someday we'll get out there to cover the Salem Six Hours. But it's it's one of those events. I think it's kind of like once you go, you always have to go back because it's just a, a cool atmosphere from what I've heard. Especially if you are the camping type, you, you don't watching the coverage here on Fox Sports One here in the studio. You don't see a lot of folks in the grandstands, but if you see the campgrounds are are just as full in certain areas as it would be for NASCAR weekend there at the Glen. So it's definitely a big uh, camping event, and there's a lot of devoted sports car fans that do attend this event annually. And uh, definitely one I'd like to check out, especially now with the no more IndyCar at the Glen. Um, maybe maybe next year we'll make it out there and do a live show. But uh, it's definitely uh, a, on my list of uh, events here that I can drive to within a couple hours that I love to go see and cover. Uh, sometime soon. So that is going on. And then, of course, we do have NASCAR in action. The Cup Series is at the Chicagoland Speedway. And again, if uh, Brayton and Joe get off the air at 2 o'clock, then we will join uh, coverage of this race in progress here on WGR today. But like I said, it depends on what the Sabres do today, which is fine. So uh, you'll probably be able to catch it here on WGR later this afternoon. Regardless, it will be going down green flag just after 2 o'clock this afternoon. And it is Paul Menard on the pole. Paul Menard's first pole position in 10 years. The last time he started on the pole was the uh, Daytona July race 10 years ago in 2008. But he won the pole yesterday. Uh, Weird schedule. First of all, of course, Chicagoland moving back to July. Um because it used to kick off the playoffs, but they restructured the schedule. Now the Chicago date is back in July, and it was a triple header weekend. We had the trucks Friday night. You had the uh, with uh, Brett Moffat winning after John Hunter Nemechek blowing an engine on the last lap. You had the Xfinity race yesterday, Kyle Larson winning over Kevin Harvick. And then they did cup qualifying after the Xfinity race, and you had a couple guys that were doing double duty. They had to just run, you know, a however long the 300 250 mile race yesterday they did get out and it's just as hot in chicago this weekend as it is here and then they had to you know they had to get to cool down for a few minutes and then they go jump back in the car and do qualifying for the cup series not that qualifying is as grueling uh brutal as running a 300 mile race but still i'm sure you're pretty shot after running 300 miles in when in car temperatures are probably somewhere in the one, you know, upper 110s, uh, one teens, you know, almost 120, uh, just to have to get back in that car, I'm sure it was painful. I know a couple of guys were scrambling for IV that had to do the uh, double duty uh, between the Xfinity Series race yesterday and then have to go into cup qualifying. But uh, it was, uh, it, and then it's, so it was, it's been a weird schedule at Chicago. They've tried, they tried to shorten the schedule for all the series to, to limit uh, how long they had to be at the track. So they did cup qualifying last night and then uh, the cup race today. So Palmenard on the pole. Ryan Blaney, who uh, was in Palmenard's seat last year there with the Wood Brothers, he is on the outside of the front row. Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch in row two. Clint Boyer, Eric, Eric Almarola in row three. Brad Kozlowski, William Byron in row four. Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez uh, rounding out the top ten starters. Lots of Fords there at the front of the field. You've got six Fords inside the top ten, but you do got a couple Chevys, a couple Toyotas. But uh, I'm really thinking this shaping up to uh, be a Ford kind of day. You've got Harvick and Logano there, two right outside the top ten in row six. The most interesting thing in qualifying, though, because of the schedule, they didn't do pre-qualifying inspection 
they did post-qualifying inspection, and you had one shot to get through the OSS system, the scanning system, to make sure the car is legal, and four cars failed it and had their times thrown out, including Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Jimmy Johnson, and uh, Chris Buescher was the fourth, but three big names there sent to the tail of the field. They still get to start the race, of course, but uh, they had their times thrown out yesterday. Uh, we're going to talk more about NASCAR in a minute with Jordan Bianchi, motorsports journalist, formerly SB Nation. Uh, Jordan's going to join us here in uh, a quarter after to talk more about that. Uh, also, coming up on today's program at the bottom of the hour, of course, last week we ended this show talking about Jason Johnson, the World of Outlaw sprint car driver that was killed last weekend in a crash in Wisconsin. And uh, Mike Mallett, who is the editor of DirtTrackDigest.com, he knows a lot more about sprint car racing than I do. He is He was there when Jason won his Knoxville Nationals a couple of years ago. Uh, we're going to talk to Mike about that and uh, dirt car racing in general, as uh, he has got his finger on the pulse of dirt car racing in New York State uh, as the uh, editor of Dirt Track Digest, although he does plenty of pavement stuff, too. He also runs PaveTrackDigest.com, and he's been doing some pavement racing this week. He went up to Seekonk, New Hampshire, Wednesday night for a modified race, and it was at Lancaster on Thursday night for the Race of Champions uh, series race, the Old Boy Cup, but uh, Mike... Uh, is uh, more in tune with the dirt racing world than I am. So we're going to talk to Mike about Jason Johnson and uh, uh, dirt racing in general coming up at the bottom of the hour. But phone lines are open here too, 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. You can also uh, send us a tweet at Fast Track 550 and um, uh, Facebook too, facebook.com slash WGR Fast Track. And, and, and fortunately, I've just... I guess feeling a little a little salty here this morning. Maybe it's the heat. I don't know, but just lots of uh, lots of lots of negative. Not not that I want to be negative, but just a couple of things uh, to talk about are, are worth mentioning. And I I think uh, a lot of people kind of got a few people got a little ticked off this week when uh, well there was there has been some up and down news. I guess let's let's say this week. Uh, you know, a lot, some of the ratings have been coming in for uh, from. Uh, Fox from their share of the uh, ratings from their first half of the season covering the Cup Series and every race that they broadcast was down except the Michigan race and that was up because it went from Fox Sports 1 last year to being on the main Fox network this year. So, you know, the ratings have been dramatically down for Fox. Uh, so that had a, a lot of people kind of freaking out on Twitter this week. And, you know, I, I've started to care less about TV ratings. Yeah, it's, you know, they're, they're interesting numbers to follow, and it's cool when, when Buffalo's in the top 10 of every hockey broadcast on NBC, but, you know, ratings I don't think are as good as an indicator as as they maybe used to be, um, you know, with, with so many more digital options to watch sporting events and, you know, court cutting and everything with all that. But it's still, when the numbers are as drastic as NASCARs are, because TV ratings are down across the board no matter what sport it is. Um, but NASCAR's, in comparison to the decreases in other sports like the NFL, like the NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NASCAR's uh, dwindling numbers are much more drastic and also have a longer pattern of dropping, whereas maybe the NFL's ratings have only dropped in the last two, three years. NASCAR's been on a decline now for, excuse me, uh, you know, maybe six to eight years, maybe even longer than that. I don't know. Um, so it's obviously got a little, you know, some people in the industry are, are, were concerned this week when uh, that when those numbers from the first half of Fox's uh, 
Fox's half of the NASCAR schedule came out, uh, and just looking back and, and comparing and contrasting over last year, how dramatic some of the drop off has been. Uh, obviously, it, it is a concern, and I, I'm sure some of it this year has to do with the departure of Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, you know, last year a, a lot of races and. Uh, not only with TV ratings, but ticket sales got a bump because it was Dale Jr.'s last year, so it was people's last opportunity to see Dale. Now he's gone, and on top of the already trending decline in ratings, you have that thrown on top of it, which makes it a lot worse this year. But the the sport's going to have to work hard to try and bounce back. Um, luckily for NBC, they start today in Chicago, and they've got Dale Earnhardt Jr. on their broadcast. Of course, he's going to be a commentator this year working with Steve Letarte and Rick Allen, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it all comes off. I watched a little bit of practice coverage yesterday. I wasn't able to watch the Xfinity Series race yesterday, so I didn't see how he did in race conditions. But it was enjoyable uh, watching him do the the cup practice. I did catch a good chunk of that yesterday afternoon. And uh, I mean, Dale's already a, a great personality and, and a great has a great is a great talker behind the microphone uh, with his podcasts and everything he's kind of done throughout his driving career. He's become much more adept at uh, speaking in in the media. You know, um, he has obviously come out of his shell through what he does in social media and, as I said, the podcast and everything. So I'm really looking forward to, to catching some of the race today and to see how he does. And I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun to have him and Stevie Letarte, who they work together, of course, won a Daytona 500 together. Um, excuse me. Um, just to hear him work today. So uh, it's definitely... Uh, it's, is is Dale Jr. being on the broadcast going to bring NBC's ratings up? I don't know. Uh, it might help a little, but obviously he's not in the race. But uh, it's obviously, um, you know, it's it's going to be an improved uh, product. It, not that you know, Jeff Burton does a great job, too, working with NBC. So uh, I already like their coverage when you compare it to Fox's, of course. But uh, it's... Um, uh, definitely a much better product than the Fox product, which I think is kind of just worn itself out after 18 years, and not much has changed outside of the addition of Jeff Gordon on the Fox side, who is fantastic. But uh, you know the the Walter Brothers shtick and, and Chris Myers and, and all that um, that every, all of that has uh, you know kind of worn itself out after 18 years, 17, 18 years when they started in 2001. It's been kind of all the same uh, personalities on the Fox broadcast for all these years. And uh, I think it's time for to Fox to kind of try and freshen it up a little bit. I mean, you, you've brought Jeff Gordon in. Uh, I don't know if they need to bring in some new talent, but maybe just change up, you know, just get rid of, get rid of the wall trips. Let's do that. Let's just get rid of Mikey and Daryl and, and, you know, bring, put Larry Mack back in the booth. Larry's good. Um, in small doses, and uh, let's just get rid of the wall trips because that would be a, a lot better. Uh, 803-0550, I assume we're having some trouble getting in touch with Jordan Bianchi this morning. Um, Mike, I'm just going to send you something to make sure the phone number's right because just in case. Um, the Happy other Bobby Bonilla Day, by the way. What What is that? Bobby Bonilla Day. This is every day for like uh, every July 1st for like the next like, 10 years or something or 20 years. Oh, this, that, that long, long contract he signed with the Mets. Yep. Oh, I'm sure Howard, Howard Simon's lighting a candle somewhere. <laughs> um, but so we're gonna get Jordan here on in just a minute. Hopefully, uh, the other news story though, this week that was kind of just like, ugh. it was, uh, Michael Annette re-signing with JR Motorsports and Michael, uh, bringing the, uh, the travel, 
uh, the uh, pilot J, the the travel pilot, the pilot flying J. There it is, pilot flying J tr- uh, truck stops um, sponsorship with him once again because that's his family, and the. There was a big discussion among a couple personalities on, on, you know, the system being broken kind of uh, when it comes to sponsorships in the major series of NASCAR. And this kind of goes into last year with the uh, the whole Matt Kenseth thing and everything uh, last year. But the fact that Michael Annette can continue to get work in the sport when he has been terrible uh, hasn't really done much, did nothing in the Cup Series, uh, has done not much of anything in the Xfinity Series, but continues to land a high-profile ride at GR Motorsports where more talented drivers that without sponsorship struggle to find rides. Uh, just proof that the, there's something wrong with the sport, uh, with the system, uh, with everything. And, and, I mean, even Max Pappas, uh, he had a tweet about it this morning too, just the, the whole system when it comes to, to sponsorship when, uh, you know, no matter how good or bad a driver is, if they can bring a couple million dollars with them in sponsorship, it doesn't matter. The seat's yours. And uh, that's a problem. I know it's always been a part of racing. If you have sponsorship you're gonna and you have money, you're going to fare better. But it seems like it's gotten a little out of hand here in the last, I don't know, six, seven years in NASCAR's three national series where that the talent – has maybe shifted the the talent level's been brought down i think in some series especially the truck and xfinity series because drivers are so much it's easier for drivers to get rides if they can bring some money versus a very talented driver uh kind of being hung out to dry because he can't find uh, that one or two million dollars or three million dollars to bring with them uh to take that seat let's go to the at&t hotline though and bring in motorsports journalist formerly of sb nation jordan bianchi joins us on the line jordan good morning good morning always a pleasure uh, doing, you know, you know what? It, it's 90. It's going to be 90 today, Jordan, but you know what? It's Buffalo and just got to close my eyes and think about six months ago and remember that, you know, this, this ain't so bad when it's instead of, you know, minus 20 wind chills. Uh, I'm in Minneapolis and we had at one point this year, it was minus 38. So I'm not complaining about the hundred degree weather we've had the last few days. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Yeah. It's, uh, it was weird. Like May, May started out with snow, but finished with 90 degree unseasonably hot Memorial day weekend. So that's just kind of how it's been around here the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It sounds a lot like Minneapolis, just (laughs) weird weather. You kind of get it all. You run the gamut a little bit, but it it does. It's nice to have the seasonal changes though. Uh, Jordan, I don't know if you heard me talking about, uh, Michael Annette's new deal at JR Motorsports, but a lot of talk this week about the the system possibly being broken when it comes to to sponsorship in regards to drivers getting rides on sponsorship versus talent and everything. Where do you kind of fall in this discussion? Um, did it did it make you cringe to see Michael Annette resign with JR Motorsports once again because his family has a successful chain of truck stops? It didn't make me cringe only because this is what I've grown accustomed to. This is just how it is. This is how the business model is in NASCAR. And it is broken to a lot of degrees. The cost to operate teams are still astronomical. They have made, NASCAR has made a lot of tweaks and adjustments to work with the teams to try to bring the cost down. But the budgets are still really high. And because the sponsorship dollars aren't flowing into the sport like they once were, teams are, are having a hard time adjusting. And one of the things, they're, they're, the concessions they've had to make is if a guy comes in and he's got a sponsor with him and he may, may not necessarily have a lot of talent or the ability to win a lot of races, they're going to have to go that direction just because if they want to be remain viable and continue to operate, that that's just how it is. It's unfortunate. And you look around the landscape a little bit and you see, you know, Brett Ma- 
Moffitt, who won the Truck Series race Friday night at Chicago. And that, that is a 25-year-old driver who is extremely talented and probably should be in a high-caliber ride in the Xfinity Series and maybe even in the Cup Series because he's shown that he can do it. But because he doesn't have the dollars behind him, his team almost didn't make it to the track this week. It, it, it is The business model is broken. More changes need to be made. The only positive I can say about this is that people in the know – understand this and they're trying to work to get you know put some reforms and bring down the cost a little bit it's pretty evident that a lot more work needs to be done you know what what's funny about this I, it seems like the the team that michael signed with jr motorsports they seem to be I, I guess maybe offenders not the right one but when it comes to just we'll we'll sell you the seat if you can break if you can put the logo on the car they seem to be one of the best when it comes to doing that you look at their drivers you've got yeah. and they're talented drivers Elliot Sadler you know Justin Allgaier they're talented drivers but they they're bought and paid for with their sponsorship Justin Allgaier of course with Brandt that's that's family money pretty much and you know Elliot keeps getting hooked up by one main financial and I think even Tyler Reddick brought some money with him this year and then you got a net I mean for a, a team with the the name associated with Dale Earnhardt Jr. the if pretty much all four of their Xfinity cars are, are paid for by the drivers bringing in the sponsorship. Absolutely, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. will tell you that that is kind of their business model in a lot of sense, and that to, for that team to be on the racetrack and to field the number of cars that they do. Um, they need sponsorship, and it doesn't matter that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the most popular driver, and he's a, he's a name that you know kind of resonates throughout the, the sports landscape. It, it's still hard to get sponsorship, and they have struggled to get sponsorship. They would like to have a, a business model where they could just hire a driver, a, a, the best driver available, and then worry about the sponsorship differently. That has not been the case, and they're struggling with it. I know Joe Gibbs Racing, they are kind of in the same boat, too, where they are an organization that is um, you know, more willing to take on a driver who has got sponsorship behind them than some others. Richard Childress Racing is like that as well, and it's, it's unfortunate. It's not really you know, how it should be, but Dale Earnhardt Jr. will tell you that they wouldn't be on the track the way they are to the, to the number of cars that they are if they didn't have these drivers that brought these sponsorship with them. Yeah, I mean, uh, and you look at you talk about Joe Gibbs Racing. I mean, Ryan Priest to make his first Xfinity start with them, he had to bring in some money uh, from Mohawk Northeast and, and, and Falmouth International, some New England-based companies, New York-based companies that have connections with Ryan. But they helped him get that first start at Joe Gibbs Racing. Luckily for Ryan, his success. I mean, the the race is still to be paid for, but now it looks like he's getting a little more sponsorship backing from JGR instead of Ryan having to bring his own money in as much. Yeah, and that's that's a good example of what a driver can do who brings sponsorship and really maximizes that opportunity and says, you know what, I'm going to take a shot here with a big team and I'm going to showcase my abilities. And it's unfortunate for Ryan because I think we can all agree he is an immense talent and he has done a great job when he's been in the Infinity car. You know, he's got two wins already in that in that car. He's a guy who 10 years ago would have been one of the most coveted free agents on the market. Teams would have saw this, saw what he's able to do, and said, hey, we want this guy in our car. Forget the fact that he has sponsorship. We don't care. But unfortunately for him, he's on the sidelines more, more often than not because he doesn't have the dollars behind him. And it's, it, you, know, you look at the quality of the field in the Xfinity and the Truck Series, and I don't think the depth is there like it has been the last few years. And part of that is because a lot of these good, young, talented drivers don't have the funding behind them, and they're on the sidelines. And it's not – if you're you know, looking at NASCAR in the big picture and what it can do going forward – yeah, they have a lot of young talent in the Cup Series that is coming to the forefront, but it's starting to thin out in the lower ranks a little bit because the money isn't there, and that's not how it should be. 
Uh, Jordan, quickly, because unfortunately we got to you late because I think I wrote your phone number down wrong when I gave it to my producer, and I apologize for that. But uh, quickly, let's turn to the the race at Chicago today. And uh, I don't know, just looking at the starting lineup, I think it's going to be one of those days where these uh, four teams, especially these Stuart Haas teams, they're going to kind of run roughshod over the field as uh, there's a lot of uh, blue ovals here at the front of the starting lineup. There are surprisingly Paul Menard's on the pole, but Ryan Blaney's been really good this year. He's starting up front, and then you know Kevin Harvick, of course, who's got five wins this year. He's won three of five races on mile and a half racetracks, and I think it's going to be kind of what we've seen a lot of this year, which is Kevin Harvick's going to be in the mix. I think Kyle Busch is going to be there, and I think Mark Truex Jr. is going to be there. I don't think we're going to have one of those unlikely surprise winners that sometimes emerge on a, on a race like this, but I think it's going to become more of what we've seen throughout the year. It's funny, you know, there was no inspection issues during qualifying last week at Sonoma, but he, look, wow, mile and a half track, shocking. We've had, we had four cars, including three very high-profile ones, fail qualifying, and this was post-qualifying inspection. Uh, just funny how that happens. Yeah, it's funny how that works when you go to an aerodynamic track and all of a sudden the teams are having issues getting through tech. It's it, not, not a surprise. It, it, you know, you know these guys are going to push it, uh, especially on a track like this. I mean, this is last year. Don't forget, this is a track where remember Chase Elliott got busted for having a little bit of tape on his rear spoiler. Yep. So just a little bit of adjustment, the little teeniest thing can really make a, can make a difference here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, though. But like you said, Martin Truex Jr. is one of those guys who's starting in the back. He was really quick in practice. He's won this race the last two years. We know how good he is on mile and a half racetracks. It's going to be interesting to see him come from the back to the front and see if he can get up there and mix it up with Harvick and Bush. Uh, real quick before I let you go, Jordan, um, I, I asked this. Uh, we had Ricky Craven on the show last week. I asked him this, and I'll ask you this. Uh, it's almost, to some people, a foregone conclusion that Homestead will feature Truex, Kyle Bush, and Kevin Harvick as three of the four finalists. Right now, who would be your number four at Homestead if you were uh, looking at who you think it could make the uh, finale at Homestead for the championship? There's a handful of guys, Keselowski, Lugano, Boyer, I, I can all make a case for, and I think it's probably going to be one of those. I'd probably throw Kyle Larson in there. I think it's going to be the driver who can win Martinsville, because if you look at the way the playoffs set up, Martinsville is, is along with Texas and Phoenix are, is the semifinal round of the playoffs. And if you assume that the three drivers you mentioned, Truex, Bush, and Harvick, are going to continue to do well, I think Martinsville's that one track where it opens itself up to kind of a, a, an outside-the-box winner a little mm-hmm. bit. And I think that's where it's going to come down to. And if I look at that, Keselowski and Logano are both really good there. So I, I like them right now, plus the fact they're in Fords. Mm. Said the Fords have been so strong this year. Jordan, I, I know you're a kind of a free agent right now in, in the motorsports media world. Is there anywhere folks can uh, hear from you? And, and Are you doing any work uh, on your own right now that fans can read? Uh, unfortunately, no work right now. Just kind of trying to figure out, assess my next move, and hopefully have something uh, to announce here shortly. Well, you are one of my favorite people to bring on. I was so bummed to see uh, when you uh, you and SB Nation part of ways, but hopefully you land on your feet soon, and you've always got a uh, a welcome here if you ever want to come and talk to us. We appreciate the time this morning. Always a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Jordan Bianchi, and you can follow him on Twitter, too, at Jordan underscore Bianchi. He always still posts his thoughts there, and hopefully – uh, we'll find a new home in the motorsports media world, as as hard as it is to find a seat in the game of musical chairs that is the motorsports media world these days. Uh, but we appreciate Jordan's time. When we get back, we're going to talk to Mike Mallett from Dirt Direct Digest. Uh, we'll remember uh, Jason Johnson and, and talk about dirt racing in general, modified sprint cars, all that good stuff. When we get back here on Fast Track on WGR. Hi, this is AJ Allmendinger, driver of the number 47 Kroger Chevrolet. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. Ah, bummer for Dinger last week at Sonoma. Missed a shift and uh, derailed his shot 
at Sonoma last week. A mechanical problem took him out. Jamie McMurray, too, another one that we had talked about as a potential favorite yesterday, or not yesterday, last week at Sonoma, and he had mechanical issues, too. Two of those guys got wiped out and, uh, yeah, derailed my fantasy team, too. But, unfortunately, a tough race last Sunday at Sonoma for A.J. Allmendinger. He rolls off 19th today at Chicagoland Speedway for the Overton's 400. Again, uh, we will potentially have that race uh, live in cover, uh, in progress here at WGR, depending on uh, how the NHL free agency period uh, progresses here this afternoon at WGR. Uh, Brayton and Joe coming up at the top of the hour to talk more hockey. Uh, uh, Formula One wrapping up earlier today in Austria, and uh, a wild one. Max Verstappen getting the win for Red Bull. Kimi Raikkonen, Sebastian Vettel running out the podium for the two Ferraris, and Haas F1 had their best day in their second season of Formula One as they placed both cars in the top five. Grosjean, Roman Grosjean was fourth. Uh, Kevin Magnussen was fifth. And uh, so a great run for uh, them, but a lot of big names dropping out of the race. Daniel Ricciardo, Valtteri Bottas, and Lewis Hamilton all dropped out of the race with mechanical issues. So that kind of helped the uh, the Haas cars a little bit. But uh, they had a great run rounding out the top five. And Vettel uh, taking the points lead. Uh, I'm sorry, I just got distracted because there was just a flip over at Watkins Glen. A prototype car just flipped over coming out of the S's. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I don't know, if, or maybe that's a practice crash. I'm not sure if that's live right now, but they just showed it on uh, TV here in, in the studio. I apologize for getting distracted. But again, uh, Verstappen getting the win at Aust- in Austria today for uh, Formula One. And as I said, the sailing six hours going on right now, but. Let's go to the AT&T hotline and bring in the editor of DirtTrackDigest.com and PaveTrackDigest.com. Mike Mallett joins us on the line. Mike, good morning. What's going on, my friend? Yeah, morning. Just a beautiful, hot summer day here in uh, central New York. It, it's a Sunday, though, Mike, and Utica Rome's racing, and it's not raining. Yeah, well, it either rains or it's 100, I guess. So uh, <laughs> you know, if I have to choose one of there, I'll take, I'll take the high temperatures instead of the rain. Yeah, unfortunately, that's, uh, you, they've had some rough luck the last couple of seasons there at Utica Rome with the weather, but looks like you'll get the show in tonight. Uh, unfortunately, we're bringing you on, Mike, here with, uh, with some sad news. Uh, I briefly mentioned at the end of the show last week the passing uh, of Jason Johnson uh, in the World of Outlaw race in Wisconsin last weekend. But, Mike, you know a lot much more about sprint car racing than I do. And uh, just just tell us about Jason and, and you know the raging Cajun and just where his part of the sport of sprint car racing because he was a very popular driver and he scored a very popular one at the Knoxville Nationals a couple years ago. Yeah, Jason was a uh, you know real competitor. You know when you you look at the respect that he got from all the other drivers. You know he was great friends with you know most of the guys he competed with, uh, and that's just because he was a great guy. Yeah, you know, he tried to race everybody the way they would race him, you know, or the, or the right way, if you could say that. You know, I I talked about it uh, last weekend when it happened. You know, I was at the Knoxville Nationals that he won, and it was probably one of the the greatest Knoxville Nationals I've I've been able to go to. You know, I've been there the last uh, 12 years, and it, it was the best race by far. And it was a race between him and Donnie Schatz, and, and they got, you know, throwing some slide jobs, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Jason a couple times, you know, took the nose off of Donnie. You know, and afterwards... You know, he said, you know, Donnie was upset with him. He goes, I don't want Donnie upset with, upset with me. You know, I respect him, and I want him to, uh, you know, respect me. But, you know, at the end of the day, today, it's, it's the, you know, it's the Knoxville Nationals. I can't use the words he said on the radio. <laughs> you know, he was just a hard-nosed competitor, you know, great guy. You know, and again, and he, he was well-respected. And, uh, you know, that's why his loss, you know, you see so many people, uh, you know, mourning his loss and, and upset by his passing uh, because, he just, you know, simply he was a great guy, you know, and it, you know, and you don't expect it. You know, all of us that follow motorsports and racing, 
Um, we all know that that's part of the sport, but when it all comes down to it, you never expect it to be, you know, a guy like Jason Johnson. Mm. He's one of the good guys. Uh, as you said, it's a dangerous sport. There's no way to make it 100% safe, Mike. Uh, you know, with, with the passing of Dale Earnhardt in NASCAR, of course, that led to you know the, the Hans device becoming in vogue and becoming mandatory for a lot of drivers that had neck restraints. Uh, I know when, when Tony Stewart broke his leg in a sprint car, he talked about trying to make fixes to the cockpit to prevent injuries like this. Uh, the, the crash Jason was in, it was kind of one of those fluke, crazy sprint car crashes that just happened. Is there is there something in the industry? Is there a movement in the industry to? Is there anything more they can do right now to add any more elements of safety to these the, the sprint cars currently? You know, there's been talk. I know last year at the beginning of the season, uh, there was a crash at Volusia uh, Speedway Park in Florida with uh, David Gravel, and there's some issues with the frames. You know, they were talking about the frames maybe getting too thin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It's going to take a lot to see any major changes like that, you know, come to, you know, specifically sprint car racing. I mean, I don't think, you know, unlike NASCAR, you know, NASCAR's done a lot with safer barriers. And, and as you mentioned, with the Dale Earnhardt crash and all that and, and changing safety so much, mm. you know, I, I don't know how far you can go with a sprint car to make it completely safe. I mean, sure. still a lot of different elements that aren't present per se in the NASCAR. You know, you're yep. racing open wheel cars, mm-hmm. you're racing at hundreds of, you know, 120 miles an hour and you're inches off one another. You know, the bad things happen, unfortunately. Yeah. That's part of racing, you know. So is there some more safety stuff they can look at? I'm sure they'll, they'll look at some more stuff. And, you know, I don't know all the particulars of of, of this particular crash and, and how it all, you know, what, what the, the defining factor was. Was it a frame? Was it a seat? Was it something there? But I'm sure they'll be looking at it. And, you know, there's some folks that have some say in things. And, and if there's something that can be done, I'm sure they'll make those decisions. Yeah, it's there's a lot more. It seems like there's a lot more unknown variables in sprint car racing versus say say a NASCAR stock car with the open wheels alone, plus the different facilities. You know, whereas NASCAR can kind of mandate safer barriers and all that, and make all their facilities almost identical when it comes to safety features. It's a little bit harder with short tracks. Small, you you can't force short track operators around the country to all put what X, Y, and Z in for safety features because just some track operators wouldn't be able to afford it. So obviously, there, there's no not that we not that I'm saying there needs to be a quick fix. I'm just there's no way to to try and maybe put something across the board, and it'll be continue to be uh, an evolution. Uh, Mike Mallet from Dirt Track Digest joining us here on Fast Track. Mike, let's look ahead here. July 4th coming up, and that's always a big time for short track racing and uh, the the Super Dirt Car Series, and also uh, the Empire Super Sprints that you work with. Uh, some very busy schedules coming up. I know the Super Dirt Car Series has four races in ten days, starting today at Cornwall, and you've got Speed Week coming up for the Empire Super Sprints. You're gonna, I'm sure you'll be a very busy man over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm on a. I love summertime. My real job is I'm a school teacher, so uh, summertime now it's time to go racing. I've been on a six day racetrack here, taking me from. Uh, let's see, where did I start? I started Albany, Saratoga. I went to Seacock, Massachusetts. I was at Lancaster with you on Thursday night, you know, and you know my regular weekend stops here. Now this week, yeah, the Speed Week coming out for the Empire Super Sprints. Uh, great week. You've got five nights in a row. If you're a sprint car fan in Central New York, you can go to Canyon on Wednesday night. We kick it off there. Then. Uh, Thursday night, we're at Atlanta Legends Raceway, Canada, with the Super Dirt Car Series. So you get sprint cars and the Super Dirt Car Series. Uh, Friday, Saturday, we're at uh, Burton Speedway and Saturday, Fulton Speedway. Then Sunday, we cap it off at my home track, the Utica Rome Speedway, with the Super Dirt Car Series and the uh, Lucas Oil Empire Super Sprints. So it's a great five nights. It's fun. Five different tracks. You know, big car counts uh, for the sprint cars. I mean, we have guys coming from all over, you know, from uh, Quebec, from New Hampshire, on uh, Ontario, 
Pennsylvania, you know, of course, New York contingent. So it's always uh, it's always interesting to see who pops in. And I believe we have one guy even coming over to race from England. So uh, it should be a great five nights of racing here for, for the Empire Super Sprint. And looking at the weather, it's supposed to be 90 and hot every day. So uh, I like it. You know, we should be good. Hydrate accordingly, my friend. Uh, looking at the Super Dirt Car points, they're only, you know, three races into their season. So the, this stretch here over the next 10 days is really going to shake up the point standings. But really, when you look at them, like, uh, who, who's going to be able to hang with Matt Shepard and Stuart Friesen the, when you look at it this year? Well, well, Stuart Friesen, you know, he, he's in the mix there. But what happens, unfortunately, with Stu is, uh, you know, he's got commitments to the NASCAR, uh, the truck series. Right. That yep. will usually takes him out of the, the opportunity, out of the hunt for um, a chase for that championship. But yep. right now, the guys that are running well are Max McLaughlin and Jimmy Phelps. Uh, Matt Shepard, um, if, you, if you don't know, had had a situation occur on Tuesday night at the big show at Albany Saratoga Speedway where uh, him and a lap car tangled and Shepard actually was in the lead, ended up finishing 12th. So that really put a hurting on his points. And uh, Max McLaughlin, second-place effort. Jimmy Phelps, third-place effort. And if I'm correct, Jimmy Phelps has been third in all three events so far this season. So he's been very consistent. And finally, last night, they had a 50-lap event on the Linda Legends Raceway, and Jimmy Phelps finally put that 98-H in victory lane. So that might be the catalyst they really get things going even more because Jimmy Phelps has been on his game. So he's a guy I'd probably want to keep my eye on, other than, say, you know, the traditional Matt Shepard, Stuart Friesen. Uh, what about some of the, the KG veterans? You know, it seems like the, the Danny Johnsons and the, the Brett Hearns of the world may be starting to slow down in, in the twilight of their career. Uh how much of a these, these young guys that have come up? Uh, it, it's how much of a threat now uh, are are the Jet and the Doctor when they when they roll into your favorite dirt track? Uh, they still have a chance when they show up, but it's obviously the the younger generation's kind of caught up to them right now. Well, I think what's going on is you know the tracks that we've started at, other than Albany Saratoga, where you know Brett uh, struggled a little bit, but the tracks we're running on right now are, are the Central New York contingent tracks. You know, and those tracks like Weedsport. You know, Burton, those are weekly tracks. And Matt Shepard, Stuart Friesen, you know, the, those guys. You know, Billy Decker, you know, he had a strong run at Burton. You know, those tracks are really in the wheelhouse for some of, uh, you know, for, for a guy like Shepard or Jimmy Phelps and Max McLaughlin. They run those tracks weekly. Yeah. You know, um, when we start getting out some other places, you know, when we go to Middletown and uh, Orange County on July the 17th, like the 17th, 19th, I think it's the 17th, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> uh, when the series visits there, you know, that's Brett Hearn's stomping ground. You know, yeah. when, they, when, we, when the series goes to Lebanon Valley, that's Brett Hearn's stomping ground. So I think they're, they're still uh, going to be in the mix. You know, just right now you haven't seen maybe the results that you would expect from them just because of the tracks that we've been at. You know, they're at that little bit of a disadvantage. When the series goes to Quebec, you know, it's, it's kind of an equal playing field for everybody, and, and you'll see those guys do well. Um, it's just right now the way the series has kicked off, you know, Weedsport Birds and, you know, Albany Saratoga, that's more uh, in the Matt Shepard realm of things. You know, the Max McLaughlin and, mm. and the Jimmy Spelps world of things. So uh, it'll change. You know, I, I don't ever count out Brett Hearn or Danny Johnson. Sure. They are, you know, they are legends, and they, and they yeah. get things done. And things can happen. You know, like Danny Johnson, I, I didn't get a chance to chat with him after Albany Saratoga, but he was the first car out. Mm. I don't know what, you know, mechanical issue or what dropped him out of the race. But uh, don't count those guys out. You know, they're, 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 they're not done. You know, I right. Eastern States every year, and Brett Hearn dominates that whole weekend. So, yeah, you know. You know, it's just it's just a matter of where they're racing and and, and the situations. And I th- I think when you see things start to heat up here in the summertime, you'll see those guys back up front. Yes, I was certainly not saying there were has beens or anything, but just obviously it's this young blood. Uh, not that Matt Matt and Stu aren't all that young now. I guess they're my age, around thirty five. But just uh, the Max McLaughlin, the Jimmy Phelps, some of these guys, uh, obviously having some good runs here to start the year. But yeah, Brett Hearn and Danny Johnson, not has beens. That's not where I was going with that point, Mike. Uh, last thing before I let you go, though, whenever I want to know what's going on. 
going on in the dirt modified racing world and the sprint car world, I go to dirttrackdigest.com and you're doing a lot of cool stuff this year with live streaming. Just tell the folks about uh, what they can watch live on Dirt Track Digest TV. Yeah, um, we, we're very fortunate. You know, the last couple of years we've been trying to expand, you know, Dirt Track Digest. Uh, I bought, we bought the site, uh, say, five years ago now, myself and two partners. And, you know, we looked at what do we need to do to get bigger and better, you know, and we've uh, expanded our coverage on the front page with, you know, we cover every modified, if you're a dirt modified enthusiast, we're, we're your site, you know, but we also have sprint car coverage, late model coverage. Um, and then we, you know, we did that. We got as far as we want to, not as far as we want to go with that. You know, there's more we'd like to do there, but we said, all right, what's the next step and what we need? And, uh, you know, we decided to go with a, a television deal, you know, live pay-per-views. So right now we're uh, weekly from the Utica Rome Speedway. We have live pay-per-views. We do Canadagua or Orlando Legends Raceway every Saturday night as well. Um, and then we're, we have events uh, from all over the place. You know, we've, we've done a few Lucas Oil Empire Super Sprint events this season, and uh, we're hoping to have some other big events as the summer goes. Like our next event is tonight at Utica Rome. Uh, you can log on if you you know if you're living out in Buffalo and you want to watch some racing. Uh, we go live at seven o'clock tonight with a with the King of Dirt 358 Modified Series and Sportsman Series from Utica Chrome, as well as the Gene Kateri Memorial uh, for the Pro Stocks thousand dollar to win event tonight. Uh, and we also have the uh, Rookie Sportsman on the card there. Then on Wednesday night we'll be live from uh, Can Am for night number one of the uh, Lucas Oil Empire Super Sprint Speed Week, and uh, it's the PAP Shootout, so you can get some small block modifieds. Uh, $2,500 to win there, then the Empire Super Sprint Speed Week. And then just check out DirtTrackDigest.tv, and uh, you'll see the schedule of events that we've got planned there. So a lot of great things coming with the television, and uh, we're excited about it. And uh, it's been fun so far. There's been some challenges, you know, because, you know, this is only our second year doing it. Mm. Uh, we keep learning and keep getting things better and better. And then there's Pave Track Digest, too, which does a great job cover uh, local pavement modified racing, especially the Race of Champions Modified Series. All good stuff. Mike, uh, thank you so much. You know, like I said, a busy time of year for you, but thank you for the time this morning. Uh, best of luck uh, the rest of your season with Dirt Track Digest, and I'm sure we'll, our paths will cross somewhere down the road. Uh, no problem, and uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and you have a great day. You too. Mike Mallett, editor of DirtTrackDigest.com. A great source of information about uh, dirt modified racing, sprint car racing, and uh, appreciate his insight on Jason Johnson. If I knew someone could do the topic justice, it would be Mike, because, uh, as I said, he knows a lot more about sprint car racing than I do. All right, when we get back, we're going to stick to local racing. We'll hit the local racing roundup here and make way for Joe and Brayton as we wrap up this edition of Fast Track on WGR. Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track. All right, let's go back to Thursday night. And, man, if you weren't at Lancaster Thursday, you missed a good one. Race of Champions Modified Series Old Boy Cup 60. And Chuck Hosfeld beat Mike Leedy by eight, 19 thousandths of a second. A f- mere few feet as they came down the front straightaway. What a race it was and great finish. And the hot shoe as we had him on the show here last Sunday picking up the win over Mike Leedy and Daryl Lewis Jr. Andy Crying getting the win in the street stocks. Joe Mancuso in the Race of Champions Super Stocks. And Jason Anishevitz getting the win in the four-cylinders. Friday night action from the Ransomville Speedway. They had double modified features. Matt Farnham won the first one after Jesse Cotras was too light across the scales. So Farnham got his first ever 358 modified win over Gary Lindbergh and Eric Rudolph. Eric came back, won the second feature over Pete Bicknell in a backup car and Ricky Rickner. Gary Lindbergh fourth, Jeff McGinnis fifth. Crazy night at Ransomville. The 
ever, all the top guys, except for maybe Rudolph having issues, uh, Pete Bicknell, Ryan Susie had to go to backup cars for the second feature. Just a, a wild, long, crazy night. Kevin Wills got the sportsman win. Corey Sawyer getting the street stock win. Ryan Plant, Matt Hornquist splitting the double uh, features for the four bangers. And David Fingerlow getting another win in the novice sportsman. Saturday night action, Genesee Speedway. And it was Jason Jenko getting the win in the crate late models. Dave Cadillac Conan getting the win in the sportsman over Austin Susie and Kyle Inman. Dave Dubois, another 360 late model win. Doug Jones in the street stocks. Cole Susie in the mini stocks. Bailey Loggs in the bandits there at Genesee on Saturday. Saturday night action from Wyoming County International Speedway. Kenny Haina getting the win in the four cylinders. Eric Hastreeter in the street stocks. And Alan Bookmiller getting the win in the sportsman there uh, Saturday night at the uh, Wyoming County International Speedway. Merrittville Speedway last night it was Adam or excuse me Tony Kelly in the mini stocks Adam Plazic in the six cylinders Brad Sheen in the Hoosier stocks Brent Bigelow in the mod lights and the sportsman's the third time he's won two races in one night and Mike Bowman getting the 358 modified win over Chad Brockman and Gary Lindbergh state line speedway last night they had a show uh let's see let's start with the BRP mod tour that was Rex King senior getting the win Phil Vigneri the third finished second Rex King junior finishing third then Tyler Willard and Greg Martin rounding out the top five uh then they had the race of champion sportsman on hand and that one um went to I just had it in front of me. There, Chad Chevalier over Cody McPherson and James Henry. They also had 358 modifieds. Phil Vigneri getting his first modified win over Kyle Fink and Greg Martin. Uh, they had the Rush Sprint Cars. Chad Ruhlman got the win there. Dennis Lunger in the Rush Pro Mods. And Dennis Lunger also winning the Outlaw E-Mod features. That was a jam-packed show. It was a long night at Stateline. But uh, what a what a ticket if you got to go to that one last night. You got to see a lot of racing. Speaking of getting tickets, it is Canada Day. And if you want to go celebrate west of the border, uh, head over to the Humberstone Speedway. They've got a great show tonight coming up at 6.30. Uh, four divisions, all 40 laps, all racing for a minimum of $1,000 to win with their mini stocks, sportsmen, uh, thunder stocks, with the street stocks and the late models. And I, I should have said the Race of Champions Sportsman Series, uh, they're all going 40 laps. The ROC Sportsman actually running for $1,250 to win. Uh, the other three divisions are going for 1000 bucks to win each. And uh, I believe they've got holiday fireworks. Don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure... Uh, they have fireworks as well uh, tonight. At, yep, they do at Humberstone Speedway tonight at 6.30. Uh, those are all like series races. They're going to have great car counts. ROC Sportsman, the Late Models is at the Northeast Late Model Alliance, and the Thunderstocks and Mini Stocks are the Duel on the Dirt series, which is with them in Oshweekin and Merrittville and uh, I think Brighton. Uh, so a jam-packed show tonight at Humberstone. If you can uh, venture across the border on Canada Day, I know good luck with that. But uh, if you make it out there, it is definitely a, a show you're going to want to check out tonight at Humberstone. So that's real. Uh, that'll be a good one. So uh, Lancaster, uh, also they ran Friday night with the drags. And uh, the stock cars will be back in action this Saturday night. Good stuff all around. It's hot, but it wasn't raining. So glad to see all the local tracks getting their shows in. That'll do it for me. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Brayton and Joe are next with NHL Free and She Coverage next here on WGR. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speed than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours. Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.